We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 362. The West Coast games are over. Ova, O-V-A-H for the 2019 season. I know you're happy about that, Scott. Thank God. Thank God. Because I'm the lunatic that stays up for these stupid games. And not that I want to, because I'm not. I don't really don't. I, I try to not stay up for them. I'm going to be very honest with you. But I have a problem. I just can't. I, I I can't go to sleep. Well, the first step to recovery is admitting you have a problem. I admitted this last year. I admitted this the year before that. I blame you more, I think, at this point. You've known I have a problem. You're just you're just feeding my problem by I'm just letting I'm just, I'm, I'm a friend. I'm an I'm a, I'm watching my friend go down this horrible this path. bad path. I'm not doing a damn not thing doing about it. anything. Not a damn no. thing. No, I've told you just go to bed. That, that doesn't do it. Just, Obviously that doesn't just work. Go to bed. It doesn't work, Andrew. No, I have a, I have well, a, I have a problem. Yes. So it, what it is is I, I get into a place where I get if I get past the fifth inning and I look up and it's like the sixth inning. That's where I'm like, shit. Because I feel like if I'm in the sixth inning, I, I I'm like I feel, like it's almost over. Yeah, the game's almost right. over, even though it's not almost over. Even though it's not almost over, I have a pro, I have a I have a big internal conflict uh, turning off the game with because I did it. I tried to do it in Oakland. And I was the degenerate bastard laying in bed with the phone, you know, like pissing off my wife. Right. Yeah. I usually, that's my move. Like I said, last time I usually throw the game on the radio 
and it's different when you're laying in bed and the lights are off and the like I literally have the phone on into the last notch of like the I, I click one up from complete mute and on and I lay the phone on my pillow with the the speaker pointed directly into my ear so Leanne can't hear anything you do know they make so headphones that, right those are, no but I, I but I can't sleep with headphones on but it, you're not like sleeping on, you're listening on, on the radio to the game but but I fall asleep at some point oh. it's usually around like the third or the fourth inning okay. that I fall asleep and then I wake up uh, and it's three o'clock in the morning and my phone is just sitting there that sounds like me in like uh, in like sixth grade, falling asleep to John and Susan on the radio. That's literally what I was doing in sixth grade. Well, I'm I'm 31 and I'm doing that. <laughs> yeah, and they're still on the air. Good for them. <laughs> yeah, 30, 30. You were six, 31 years ago. No, I was in sixth grade. I said. Oh, okay, gotcha. So a little little different. Well, they're over. So and I, I and I made playing. that up. And I made that up. I don't know what how old I was. It was you know whenever Jim Abbott's no hitter was whatever year that was. I was. I was uh, ninety uh, ninety two. I was going to say ninety one, ninety two. Yeah, in my head, that's where I was going. Fourth of July, right? So I was twelve years old, eleven years old. Yeah, Susan was was uh, wearing her beautiful vest. John had a birthday. George had a birthday. It was a great day. A little teaser for the final segment. I have a little confession to make about John and Susan. That's going to be our final topic. So that's a that's a pro teaser for you. But it is a big week for us, not just because the West Coast games are finally over but because we have our final regular season event this Saturday, August 31st against the A's pregame party is at Billy's. The emails have gone out. We will be transferring tickets on Thursday. As you guys are listening to this, you'll be receiving tickets on Thursday. If this is the first event you are coming to, do not worry. You will get your ticket. We have never left a man outside of the ballpark. We get everybody inside. There's, no man left Don't behind. worry about no, it. Next man up. Do not worry about it is what I'm saying. And I, I get it. People are buying. Maybe it's the first time. Sometimes they're just buying tickets and a friend. Maybe their friend told them, hey, we're going to go to a Bronx pinstripes event. And that other person has never heard of us. And then they're like, I paid and I don't have my ticket. And they're freaking out. You get your ticket. Don't worry. Get your ticket. Yeah. Next man up. Uh, we, we, don't, we don't let anybody... Uh, outside the stadium too, either we don't we leave nobody, no man behind. Like no fathead behind, no man. Well, behind. we've definitely left fatheads behind. I don't even know. We which haven't ones are left them around. behind. They were stolen from us. They've been stolen. Yeah, at some point. But uh, no, that's gonna be fun, man. I'm really looking forward to it. We actually we have a really good group going. We have about 175 people going to this one, and usually the last one of the year. Um, it starts to die down a little bit just because the Yankees are like in a zone. You kind of know where they are. But there's still that level of excitement here, and I'm excited for that too. Um, but the one of the great things that we're doing now, um, our friends at Blue Point are now taking part in the pregame. So everybody who comes to this game, everybody who has already purchased tickets, because you can no longer purchase tickets, everybody comes, you get a t-shirt. You've probably already gotten your t-shirt unless you signed up after the date uh, in which we have a whole bunch that we got shipped uh, you know, close to the bar, and they will be at, this, uh, at the bar to pick up your ticket. Uh, and your t- your drink ticket and your T-shirt. Um, if you ordered like mad late, like yesterday or today, or the, you know, may- we might not have a shirt for you. We might have to ship it to you. But um, for the majority of the people, I think we'll have it. But it's gonna be at Billy's. I'm pretty sure we're gonna be upstairs outside on the deck. That's that's where we're we're going to be. We'll have a table set up so that we could come. You could come in, say what's up, check it. We'll check you off. We'll give you the two drink tickets. You go get your your um, pinstripe pilsners. And, uh, and then we all just hang out upstairs and it's supposed to be a beautiful day. So it looks like we have good weather, yeah. knock on wood. 
A lot of good weather. It's been up. kind of we've gotten a preview of the of the baseball fall weather this week yeah, in New York. It's and perfect. I'm not gonna lie, it's been nice. Um, but it is going to get a little bit hotter, but not nearly as hot as the last event. It's going to be a beautiful weekend in the Bronx. Um, like you said, we're going to be there. Get there early. Lo- we're going to be there around ten thirty in the morning. Yeah. Uh, for the one o'clock pregame for the one o'clock game. Pre-game will go from about 10.30 to 12.30. Then we you're all saying, mobilize. You're saying 10.30. You're saying 10.30. We have documented 11 o'clock because I think I think Billy's opens at 11. Don't hold me to that. If you get there at 10.30, you might be able to get in. You probably could get in. You know, let's, yeah. let's just say you could get in. Worst case, you hang out for 20 minutes and then you get in. But um, 11 is what we have documented. So I can't. There's a lot going on in the Bronx this weekend yeah. because there's also the River Ave Street Fair. Yeah. So, so if you get there early, I think they're going to be set up pretty damn early. So there will be stuff going on at 9 in the morning. Yeah, there will be things going on. I mean, I'll be at Billy's at 10. <laughs> so doing a bunch of stuff, and, and hopefully uh, they open the doors. But I just want to put that out there in case people show up. Uh, so, yeah, come, come early. Get there early, especially if you don't have a shirt because it's basically going to be the, the guys that get the shirt are first come, first serve, essentially, on how that's going to work um, because it's you know a lot of people signed up on the same days. And, uh, yeah, so we have, uh, you know, a certain amount of them and when they run out, then, you know, it is what it is and we'll have to send you the shirts. That's why we have a deadline. Um, that, so that's it. Uh, the event last one. I'm really excited for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. I know a whole bunch of people are coming in. Ryan Nakata, our old friend, by the way, who used to do the recaps is going to be in so town. He was out at the Dodger games, uh, yeah. Yankee Dodger games last yeah, week. Yeah. Ryan was with us from the very beginning in Bronx pinstripes doing recaps, uh, and then moved to California. So I'm excited to see him as well. But the, um, uh, oh yeah, so then now we're doing playoff tickets. So we've moved on, and now we're doing playoff tickets. And boy, are we doing playoff tickets! So we've put in our, our, our requests with the Yankees. I, I had a, a good long conversation with them today about playoff tickets. And basically, what's happening is there's a bunch of pre-sales happening. If you can buy tickets, if you have a, a season pass or if you have a partial season pass, I believe that starts in September 10th. Well. The people that have come to the Bronx Pinstripes events, the BP Crew events, have priority ahead of that. You are going to be avail- uh, able to get tickets in Section 205, and we're doing it a little bit differently. We have those, again, set up. We have requests in, so it's not cemented, but it's um, we're, we're hoping it'll be cemented very soon, that we're going to have tickets for um, basically every single round going into the World Series. So I'm excited for that. All the priority is is going to the BP crew, the people that have come to the events. Because why? Because we're building a community. It's been a, a blast uh, getting to know everybody. I know a lot of people have come to multi, multiple events. The people that have are going to be rewarded. We're going to be kind of scaling up and, and, and having like a priority list. Basically, um, the people that have come to more events are going to get first dibs at those tickets. So it's just more of another incentive that we're why we're building this group and this this community and this 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 Yankees family that we have going on. Um, more of an incentive to, to join us because one, it's a blast and a lot of fun. And two, we're trying to give, we're trying to pay it back as much as we possibly can, um, and, and grow this community as, as much as we can too. So I'm really excited for that. And I think that the, the way that we have this going, the format of, of the, these playoff tickets, we're getting, hopefully fingers crossed a lot of tickets. And if that happens, then it's going to be unbelievable. So I, like, just so people understand, this is a cheat code. For playoff tickets. Yes, it is. For, for people. Yes, it is. Because normally, in order to get playoff tickets, you either pay out the ass on a secondary market website, mm-hmm. which all of us have done. Mm-hmm. You and I have done that. We've all done that to get into it, get into the building in section 415, yeah. last row of the ballpark, just get me in that stadium. Well, that's not where our tickets are. We're in section 205, great seat. Or 
you can have a season ticket license, which is much more expensive than coming to one or two or even six Bronx Pinstripes events. Yeah. So this is a cheat code to get playoff tickets. Right. And think about and, that. Oh, and then along the way, you you have like a bunch of new friends and have a great time at these games together because that's what's happening. And you get we're we're starting to we're starting to travel pregame parties. Yeah. I mean we're we're away games. We're building that up a lot more too. The pregame party. If you haven't noticed, the we have a new sponsor for this pregame party and we're doing it at a new bar. So uh, you know, writing on the wall, we're doing some new stuff. We're, we're having some fun. We're, 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 we're going out there and hustling and we're doing it for this group. So if you're listening and you have not come to an event, first of all, smack yourself in the face because you should have already come to one. But after you smack yourself in the face and you come to go out there and, and plan and figure it out. I, we already have, I already know when we're doing our group uh, events for next, for next year. We've already planned it because we have top priority for uh, all of, basically groups at Yankee Stadium at this point. Like that's what we're building is to. And it's a beautiful thing. So um, we'll be announcing that at some point in the near future too and, and putting those on for sale for 2020. Cause that's that's where we are. And this whole thing has just been from from zero, from from this, it was from you and me originally. I started Bronx Pinstripes however the hell long ago. You were the first guy I brought on many, many moons ago. And then we've grown from there. We added two writers, three writers, four writers, five writers, six writers. We went to started doing writer outings. And we started doing breakfast beers for 20 years for the 1996 championship. That's where it started when we started doing these outings. And we had maybe 25 people, 30 people of internal. And then we're like, you know what? Let's open this up. Let's do the do more for Yankee fans. Let's build a community of Yankee fans and grow this thing. Because why? It's more fun when you're at a game with a lot of people. It just is. The atmosphere is better. It's just more fun. And I'm sorry for talking about this a lot, but I'm very passionate about building this community. <laughs> This whole thing has been a great time, and now we're at a point where we are able to get playoff tickets for the New York Yankees ahead of the majority of people. Unless you are, you know, you are high up uh, on Wall Street somewhere, you're probably not going to get tickets. <laughs> Bottom well, line. if you're high up on Wall Street, you don't really care about about uh, trying to find good deals on playoff. No, but tickets. the point just, is, is that it doesn't them. even matter the deals. I gotcha. There's a supply and demand. That's it. That's it. There's a supply and demand because the brokers are going to go in like a bunch of cockroaches as soon as those public sales open and nobody's going to be able to get their tickets. So Yeah, like you can sneak in. You can sneak in if if you are in first in line in that waiting room if like you got a MasterCard. I know they open it up like a day yeah. early. Oh yeah, they release so many tickets for that sale. Right, exactly, exactly. That's what they don't tell you. They release maybe like 100 tickets, so you got to be first in line. You got to click immediately and it doesn't always work. But you it's funny as you were talking um on Tuesday night I went and did uh, something with uh, Craig Mahoney, who does. He's a local artist in the Bronx. He he's set up at Twin Eatery, and he's he does a lot of paintings of of, of Yankees players and Yankees uh, just different moments in Yankees history. He's a very good artist, um, but he did a little. He's doing a little web series, and and I he I came on his show, and he asked us, "How did you and Scott meet?" And and I I kind of hadn't thought about it until like I was telling the story. I was like, well. I was I started my own Tumblr blog, which maybe just my mother was reading. Probably not even just my mother was reading. I joined Twitter, had three followers. I saw this guy with an NYY Universe handle have like seven followers. So I was like, oh, that guy's big time. I gotta I gotta see what he's all about. And that's how you and I met. We actually met on Twitter. Yeah, I bitch about Twitter a lot. <laughs> that's true. But without Twitter, yeah. You and I never would have met. No, that's true. That that is that is how it started. I had a really terrible logo. I definitely had more than seven followers, but the um, 
the thing was, it was, that's what it was. That's how it got built. Like I was basically tweeting about the Yankees on that handle. And then it turned into the Bronx pinstripes after we got, uh, threatened to be sued by a major league baseball and New York Yankees. So we changed our name, which was a blessing in disguise. Cause our name is way better now. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of how the, the, the backstory started. But, um, look, bottom line is this thing has come to a really cool place. We've met some really awesome people. That was the goal. And, uh, you know, so far I, th- I feel like we're accomplishing that goal. A lot of people are now very much invested in this community that we're doing. We have a lot of people on the back end that are busting their butts for this community, for the website, for the podcast. It's really just all inclusive. I call it like an open source project because that's kind of what it is. We all, we all, you know, the, the fruits are, are put back into the, um, into Bronx pinstripes and that's how we benefit. We benefit from experiences and meeting from people. So that's where money goes. That's where like all of these things go. It goes back into Bronx pinstripes. Um, we're, we're starting to do a lot more nonprofit stuff. That leads me into what we're doing with Cameron Mabin. Cameron Mabin's people have seen what we're doing. I've been talking with them a lot. Uh, Cameron Mabin is a phenomenal guy. This hug season shirt. If you haven't bought a hug season shirt, go out and buy it. Nobody profits one dollar. The dollar, every single dollar goes to uh, the Dream School in Harlem. This guy, uh, Cameron, is doing volunteering his time. Uh, you know when he's there physically and in person, and then also for these T-shirts and this campaign. So if you haven't gone out, go get your hug season shirt. We're, we're uh, collaborating with him. We're working with Cameron Maben. They're on our fan shop. Um, shop.bronxpinstripes.com if you don't know that uh, go there pick up a t-shirt every literally every dollar is going um, every dollar that's uh, of profit that after the costs are going to the the charter school in Harlem so a really good thing and I'm just I'm very excited and proud of a lot of things that we've done this year and the and the people that are working with us so in case that hasn't been exuded enough already in the first 15 minutes the show. <laughs> yeah, and, and just quickly, one more one more uh, housekeeping item, if, if you guys are still with us, uh, is the Indochino Legend Suite ticket giveaway that we partner with Indochino on. And you guys, if you have not entered that contest on Twitter or on Instagram, go do that. All you have to do is retweet the post, like the post, tag some friends in it, uh, same on Instagram, and you could win four Legend Suite tickets for Monday's game against the Rangers. That's Labor Day. Um, I've never sat in Legend's. I don't. Have you ever sat in Legends? Uh, no, I'm, I don't belong there. I don't belong there. You're not Riff Raff. Lon Truss would never let you in. I am Riff Raff. Uh, they would not let me in because of that. But I, we, we've we've sat. We've had the privilege of sitting in very cool areas of Yankee Stadium. I've never been in Legends, so I would I would love to win this giveaway. I unfortunately cannot win this giveaway. I have I have sat in Legends before can. Legends existed. Does that count? Oh, you mean at the old stadium? Yeah, yeah. I sat in box seats at the old stadium too because those were attainable. If you're just a regular person. Did you wear an Orioles hat? No. Good Seinfeld reference. We had like seven last episodes. Yeah, I didn't even realize we did either. Um, all right, let's talk about some baseball. Uh, they swept the Mariners. Like, duh. The Mariners, Mariners suck. Mariners suck. It's exactly what you should do to the Mariners. But here we are. Uh, Houston and the Dodgers are both playing tonight. The Yankees are a game up on Houston um, and a half game up on the Dodgers. People are starting, people, not starting, people have been freaking out about the timeout call on Saturday. We talked about it last episode, but what sort of added more fuel to the fire is Major League Baseball actually uh, like apologizing to the Yankees and saying, you know what? That shouldn't have been a timeout. Our bad. Right. Well, I mean, I'm glad they said that. I'm glad we all thought that. Like the last episode, I was trying to go over the, the other side of it to try to like see what they saw. And I feel like I understood what they saw. Doesn't mean I thought it was the right call. It wasn't. You know that was. It was clearly not the right call when you see the the, the call in front of you on television. You can tell. Um, but when these guys are live 
in action. Like, there's no review on that. Uh, at least I, I don't think of like where he is in the baseline. Um, but they didn't. The problem I have here is that like, okay, we admit that that that, that was wrong. Great. First step, like you said before, admission, right? Admit that, admit that you have a problem. Admit that we did it wrong. Okay, well, why was it wrong? Why was it wrong? Because we have all these things in place now that are supposed to fix that, that are supposed to create a, a, a situation where if there is a, a tough play, if there's one that we're uncertain about, we can double check it with people that are seeing different angles. Like that was the reason the technology was in place, right? And now... You know, uh, kind of like the way the NFL has done. I know we referenced it last time too. Is certain plays are not reviewable, which is stupid, and they've changed that this year to a certain extent with the pass interference thing. So now, what Major League Baseball needs to do is they need to amend. They need to look at. They need to audit what they've been doing with replay and fix it because it's broken. It's broken, and they need to fix it. But the the problem with that play is not that it wasn't reviewable. It's that the umpire called timeout because even if it was reviewable. It wouldn't. The Yankees' run wouldn't have scored. Why? No. Because once, because you can't assume that Glaber Torres was going to run home and that Max Muncy wasn't going to throw the ball home. That's not true. There because, are certain assumptions that are made in baseball. There are absolutely on a certain play. There are certain assumptions, and depending on when he okay, called time, the only the only assumption I can think of is that a ground rule double, a guy moves up two bases. That's not really a huge assumption. You can't quote assume a double play. You know that whole saying. They can't. the The rule, the how it states in the rule. The, they, so they can't assume the, the, a double play, but they can call a guy out if there's obstruction at second base. They can so call both the, guys out. The problem with this situation was not that um, – because by the letter of the rule, the rule book, once an umpire calls timeout, all runners stop and go back to the base they previously occupied. So Glaber Torres, once timeout is called, has to go back to third base. That is what the rule book says. Uh, Major League Baseball – was not saying that the rule is wrong. They were saying the umpire should not have called timeout in that situation because there was still an active play going on on the field. And just because Max Muncy is trying to win an Oscar by rolling around at second base is not a legitimate reason for an umpire to stop play when it is the ninth inning and you're down by one run and Glaber Torres is a third of the way down the field. Right. So the problem is that the umpire called timeout. He should not have called timeout in that situation. If they reviewed it, the, the, that's not review. It's like review would have done nothing for the Yankees in that situation. Yeah, I mean, there's there's also there's there's partially. I guess if that's the case, it's like an early whistle in the NFL. That's why it's like when you when you hear a referee blow the whistle when a guy is like quote wrapped up. It's like he wasn't wrapped up. But it's the opposite of that because this is you. It's a late whistle and the guy was already you know across the goal line, or or, or like three inches from the goal line. I even get whistles in the NFL because there's guys out there running into one another. You, there's no reason to call timeout when there's active play, when there's active base runners running the bases. Right. This is not like a batter steps out and wants time because he's got a bug in his eye. Yeah, no, no. This is not that. It's, it's definitely, it, it was clear that they screwed it up. Um, it was just a matter of what they saw and thought at the time. And they called timeout, I think, based on the injury. That's what they thought they were doing. And, and then uh, the, everything else kind of fell from there where everybody goes back. So... Is, it yeah. is what it is. Uh, you know, whatever. They still should have gotten the run in, bottom line. They still should have gotten the run yeah. in. But if if it comes down to Yankees-Dodgers for the World Series yeah. and the Dodgers end the season with one more win than the Yankees, which would give them home field advantage, yeah. people are going to lose their goddamn Well, they mind. really shouldn't because, one, that would have tied the game. That's first of all. And second of all, you should look at Mike Talkman and Gary Sanchez for not doing their jobs. So, bottom line, Yankees should have done it. And it would have guaranteed nothing because it was a tie game. It would have been a tie game. So... 
you on know, the, you know, it, people are not rational. It would have been a tie game on the road. I'm trying to walk them off that ledge because they really shouldn't <laughs> be there. Not a good place to be for that particular instance. And as if that wasn't uh, enough for ye- savages versus umpires is uh, Garen's toe tap not being legal, but actually is legal. The whole um, Monday night debacle with that, where it was so obvious, like you, like you were saying uh, before we started recording, because Garen used to be with Seattle this year. This was them, them, I think, trying to play mind games because they knew it's been a thing earlier. It was a thing between a game between the Mariners and the Athletics earlier this season where it was like a 15-minute delay on the field because of this toe tap. And all the brain power in Major League Baseball spending 15 minutes to try and figure out if this toe tap is legal or not. It's like I love sometimes love-hate. I have a love-hate relationship with this kind of stuff in Major League Baseball because they can be so archaic. It is hilarious. But so they weren't even, I don't even think they were, they were really like talking about if it was legal or not. I think what was happening is that um, from, from the bench, from the, from the, uh, the Seattle bench, they told them, Hey, there's a balk. He's hitting the ground twice. The motion is deceiving. That's a balk. So as soon as they said that now umpires got to go out there and talk to him and see what the deal is. Um, this is the second time Siri has picked up on my stupid phone while I'm on this show. The they they got to go out there and talk to him and say, "Look, this is what it is. This is the rule." And then and then Garen's like, "Wait, whoa, 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 hold on. First of all, I used to play here. They're fucking with me right now. Like that's that's what's currently happening. They understand this is legal. They understand what I'm doing is legal. So let me tell you what I'm doing is legal. And then I think the umpire was trying to tell him, "Well, okay, if you do this, this, and that, this is legal." And they had a discussion about that. And you can see him gearing covering his mouth, trying like laughing, like knowing, not laughing, but like annoyed laughing that the dugout is doing this. And um, it was just too long of a discussion. Boone rocks out. He's like, what, what, what are we doing here? Why is this a thing? Like we all know that he used to play here and that these guys are, uh, are basically just trolling him essentially. So it, right. it, it took, it took way too long. Uh, then they called a balk afterwards, which there right. was no difference in what he was doing. Nope. Major League Baseball. This, that's that that's just umpires. That's just umpires caught with their pants down, not knowing what to do. And then the umpire, like, he's like, "Oh, oh my God! All, everyone, everyone in the stadium is watching me. Balk! Got to do something. I got to call something. Here, there's a balk. Because a balk, in my mind, is trying to deceive a runner. If you're doing the same thing every time, the same motion every time, that's not deceiving the runner. As long as the first time it's not, yeah. As long as the first time it's not deceiving the runner, and that's it. If every other it's time, a le- Garrett if it's did a legal a move. Well, no, I don't even think that because it's not even that because you look at what Nestor Cortez does and he does some deceiving shit in that sense, but he's not breaking any rules. So he's doing a long, uh, but he's, he's not, t- I guess, touching the ground twice. He's is... quick pitching and he was, he was actually messing with them a little bit too because he actually raised his leg up, brought it down to like half inch above the ground then raised it back up and then went and pitched. Like he just changes what do you his think about What do you think about that kind of stuff though? It, I mean, if I was a batter, it would piss me off. It would, it would annoy the shit out of me, and I would, I would probably, I would probably like my mouth would just run. If we were, fa- if the Yankees are facing a, a pitcher who does that, you, you, we're roasting that guy. I want to killing that. I want to kill him. <laughs> yeah, right. Because it's annoying. So, but okay, so Nestor Cortez or or Guerin does it, and we're like, oh, that's kind of fun. I think Guerin's different in the sense that his is part of his. Uh, part of his uh, windup and part of like the way that he throws. Well, I agree. He does it consistently, yeah. but Nestor Cortez is a great example. Sometimes he quick pitches. Sometimes he slow pitches where he's pulling a, um, trying to blank on his name. Used to pitch for the Red Sox. He used to do like a full turnaround. Oh yeah. I, I don't care what he does. Uh, 
Daisuke? No. Daisuke would do that shit too. No, it was... Uh, uh, keep Either going. way, the, the, the whole point is like when he is doing those motions. Yes, this is very clear. Like it's so obvious if they're part of my team, it doesn't bother me as much. Like Enrique Encarnacion with the whole parrot thing. Like I hated that. I thought it was stupid when he was doing it against me. But now I see him doing it and he's like, oh, it's, he's actually walking the parrot. Like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> it's, it's so different. The emotions are very different when they're on your team. But Louis Tiant. Okay. <laughs> okay. What were, what were you saying? Louis I wasn't Tian paying attention to what you your were era. No, but you know how I knew about it? Will Ferrell threw out a first pitch yeah, and he did at Fenway Park uh, and did that. I mean, I knew about Louis Tian other than Will Ferrell, but like Will Ferrell did it like a few years ago. Right. Yeah, I wasn't thinking anybody back then when, when you said it. That's your era. No, it's not. <laughs> um, so what happened in this Seattle series? Yankees bashed a ton of home runs. Uh, surprise, surprise. They've set a record for... Major League Baseball team home, uh, home runs in a single month. Uh, Aaron Judge has now 100 home runs in his career. We saw Gary Sanchez get his 100th home run over the weekend. Um, and, I mean, the biggest storyline offensively from the Yankees is definitely the fact that Aaron Judge's slump is officially over. Because on this road trip, he was absolutely mashing 14 for 37, six home runs. He's pulling the ball again. He just... I don't know if he flipped a switch. Whatever happened between the last game against Cleveland and then the first game against Oakland, I don't know. Home cooking. He's a California boy, California dreaming. He just loved those those rays of sunshine. I don't know what the hell happened, but he looks like Aaron Judge again. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. It was time. That's it. He needed time to get his swing back. He needed time to break off. Some of the bad mechanics, some of the muscle memory shit that was there from when he got hurt. Bottom line, that's what happened. He had an oblique injury. The oblique injury affected the way that he swang, uh, would swing a bit, a bat, swang a bat. <laughs> the way that he would, you know, the way that he rehabbed back, he probably, when he was rehabbing, wasn't able to take, he, I guarantee he wasn't able to take his normal A swing. And when you're back and trying to be very productive and trying to be the guy that you were, you have to get back to that full, that full motion, whether it's, restrictive because of an injury or whether it's restrictive because you haven't done it in a long time consistently. And because of that, because of the muscle memory, because baseball is such a, a sport that you have to repeat over and over and over and over again to be consistent, it took time. He needed a spring training essentially to get back and to get into uh, his groove. And, you know, like, well, it was, a, it was a little weird because he comes back. We, we documented this a few episodes ago. He comes back from the initial oblique injury and while he didn't have the same power output, he was still his batting average was actually up. He was still getting a ton of hits. He was hitting the ball hard, and he was walking a ton. So he still looked to be having really quality at bats, and he just wasn't getting the same launch angle. That was really the identifiable thing: is that the launch angle was noticeably different, which was why he wasn't hitting as many home runs. Then he went into his really bad slump towards the end of July. In the first few weeks of August, where he looked completely lost, and then he he did he, he you say nothing happened fine maybe nothing happened and he just needed time guys snap out of slumps it, sometimes all it takes is one at bat it could have legitimately been a, a mashed home run to left field where he's like ooh I feel good you know how you're out on the golf course and you're you're on the seventh hole and you haven't had a good shot all day and then you pipe a drive and you're like okay let's go and you start to relax and feel a little bit more comfortable. 
could be the same sort of thing. I mean, I usually shank the next shot and then I'm like back down to zero. So golf for, I think all of us is a bad example on that, but go with the, go with the, <laughs> no, but I, I understand that. But, but that's also part of getting your mechanics back. That's because you have to feel your body getting to the, the place where you want it part to be. Part of it's confidence though. Oh, it's, it's and all I think part it's of, confidence in his, it's all part I think it's of confidence it. it's that he's not going to, but I also think it, it, you say it's not injury related. And while I'm saying it's, it's not maybe, an injury, not an injury, but it can be injury related. Well, now you're being sem- now you're just talking in semantics because yes, of course, all no it, because the whole it time can be a byproduct of coming back from an injury. No, no, no. What I was saying, what I said from the beginning is I don't think the Yankees run Aaron Judge out there if he's still injured, and we agreed on that. But what I did say is, what if Aaron Judge is not taking his A plus swing because he's worried about re-injuring himself? I think that is a fair thing that could be that could have been in his mind you're shaking your head no i'm shaking my head no because i when you're fully back from an injury then you're you're cleared by the doctors they're basically telling you you what know you that's do not right how now. it goes that's not reality but, but the thing is here's the deal when when you're being so emphatic about going to right right field and i do believe it was part of the game plan when he came back to slowly get back into his swing i think it was easier for him to be able to go to right field at least just take advantage of some of those uh some of those pitches uh, why was it easier it's just a different swing. I think it's. I think it's a little bit more of a protective swing. Why was it? Why was it a protective swing? Okay, interesting. When I what, say what when I protecting? say protective, I mean shorter. I don't mean protective of the body. Shorter. Why? Why was he taking a shorter swing? Exactly to to make contact. It's why was he just trying to make contact? What you're saying is absolutely stupid right now. Just please stop because what you're trying to do is you're trying to say that it's a shorter swing because he's hurt and because of an injury. That's not what we're no. saying here. It's the same. I it just was, said to it you, would be the same I didn't thing think as he was hurt. It would be the same thing as choking up on the bat. It's less. It's less. Uh, less. Less of a plane that you need to get to to make contact to the bat. You can you can make a lot more contact when you're choking up because of that reason. It has nothing to do with an injury. So get that out of your brain. What I'm saying is the shorter swing to to make better contact, you're losing power on that swing. It's not the Aaron Judge power swing that he normally does going to center field, left field. It's a different type of swing where he's cutting it down a little bit. Uh, again, the I think the 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 front step is a little bit different. There's different things that he can do. You can have it. He wasn't losing exit velocity. No, but you can He's have still hitting the ball. You hard. can still hit the ball hard, but it, but it's it's tra- changing the trajectory. It's changing like the angle, yeah, launch angle, it's changing launch a lot angle. of things. That was the biggest difference. So when you shorten your swing, it's going to change your bat path, and because you're doing that, it's going to change the where the the flight of the ball as well. There's a lot of things they can hit. He's still strong as shit. He's going to hit the ball hard. Uh, and that's why that's one of the big reasons why you could tell like that was what I was looking at when when he when I said he's not hurt like he's still smoking the ball a hurt guy doesn't smoke the ball I don't think you're listening to me oh, I, I, I know exactly hurt. what you're saying and I know you're not saying he's hurt but what you're saying is it's a byproduct and the, that they were trying to protect the injury by doing a shorter swing and I don't believe that to no, be the case there's no thing this is not a conspiracy theory this is just understanding how humans can react and recover from injuries I mean on a very much smaller scale if you hurt your your shoulder you're not gonna when the doctor says okay yes you're good to go back into the you're not gonna go put up 225 again because that's what you were doing before your shoulder. I injury. understand that. You're gonna take it easy. But they're not protecting a physical injury. They're they're what they're trying to do is get him mentally back to the place where he's confident and and in his swing. I'm not saying confident in his body, but confident in his swing because there's a lot of times where you're just not there. Your timing's bad, so you're being hesitant and giving your full swing. You want to go back to the golf analogy? How many times have you gone up to uh, the tee box? And taking more of like a square to square swing, just trying to get the goddamn ball f- uh, straight, and being scared yeah. on taking it all the way back and going forward because you might miss the ball and shank it and have to you know whip your dick out walking up to the uh, ladies' tees. So you know what's funny? 
I had the worst golf season of my entire life this year. Uh, I, I think I played... I think I played five rounds of 18 and a couple rounds of nine, which is more than I normally play. I don't play nine. I um, don't like... I judge people to play nine. But keep, hey, but keep going. Okay. Whatever. They anyway, probably have underscores um, in their Twitter name. Um, what was I saying? Asshole. Uh, what was I saying? Golf. You're playing golf and you're, you're yes. bad at golf. Worst season. Worst golf season of my life. You're talking about taking a shorter swing. Yeah. Um, I found the last time I went out and played that I was trying to do that and actually playing worse. Well, that's because you're a mental in my patient. head mentally. Yeah. In my head mentally. Cool. Last couple, last couple of uh, tee boxes, I let it air out and it, they were better, better swings. I was taking a more fluid swing, a more in rhythm, balanced swing, and there were better shots. Look, first of so, all, I really don't want you to sit here and compare yourself to an athlete. Okay, let's just not do that. Second of all, I don't know when, if golfers when are you're athletes. trying when you're trying to be have more control and you're hitting a ball, whether it's with a golf club or a baseball bat. If you choke up on that and make it shorter and make your swing shorter, you're going to make more contact and you're going to have more control over it. It's 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 science. It's why you see it's why you see coaches with the fungal bat choking up, taking short swings, controlling the ball to where they want to get it to the infield and the outfield. It's why you go up and and a lot of pro golfers teach that if you want to hit a good chip shot, putt it. Why? Because it's a simple motion. It's controlled. And if you putt it, you'll have more control over your hands. It's a shorter motion. You start going back, there's a lot more room for error. So there's just, it's, it's, it, it just is what it is. Like, there's no debating about that. The, and I think when he's starting off, he's shortening his swing a little bit to try to get that feeling back, to try to get that control back. And now, yeah, he's got more confidence. He's feeling good. The, the swings, he's unleashing it. And he's making the contact where he thinks the, right. the, the barrel of the bat is going where he expects it to go. So let it rip, baby. He looks lo- much more comfortable, but he does not appreciate the questions not. about why he looks more comfortable because he had another weird sort of interaction with Meredith Meredith in the post-game uh, conference on Tuesday. It was Tuesday night's The game. interviews on the field, well, yeah. It, it was, this was an interview on the field instead of an interview in the clubhouse like the, the one in Oakland. And he was very short with her, very, a little standoffish. And I watched the video... Um, and because and, it was something was posted in our Facebook group, like, oh, Judge hates Meredith. And I watched the video and I was about 75% through the video. I was like, all right, this is this is just normal Aaron Judge being humble, just giving praise to the rest of the teammates. And then towards the very end, he did seem a little short. I don't know what it's about. I don't think he has a beef with Meredith, but I think he's tired of questions about why he doesn't look right or didn't look right. All right. So I got a couple of things. Jeter used to do the same thing, by the way. Like literally... He did, but he was he. It was like he would do. He, it was more coy. It was more coy with Jeter. Nah, he, he would he would give short remarks. Like every time I see G, uh, Judge in, a, in an interview, even still, I it, like I swear to God, they're they're spitting images of each other when they talk. Um, here's my here's my theory on this. I think it's orchestrated. I think they're having fun with everybody. I think if you look at the body language and look at some of the faces, because Aaron Judge is not a good actor. He's a great baseball player. Probably a better human being from what I know. Not a good actor. It's not a, not a good thing. Wait, you think him and Meredith are? are I think there's a little. This? I think there's a little back and forth. They both they understand what's happening. There's a little bit. Sometimes Meredith has these pointed questions. I think they've laughed about it behind the scenes, knowing that these questions are going to come because they're probably not from her. I'm sure she thinks of some of them, but a lot of them are probably coming from a producer in her ear of some sort, or they rehearse them before beforehand and they come from a group. So she knows what questions are, are, are going to ask, but I also think she she comes up or she has a bunch that are probably just like waiting for whatever situation so she can bust them out. Um, 
and yeah, I think that there there's a little bit of that. Like I could see like a tiny smirk behind Judge's, you know, uh, shortness. Enough. I saw enough of a smirk where I'm like, wait a minute. I and then even at the end, Meredith looking back at the camera, a little bit, a little bit different, a little bit interesting. Like some could say, like you know, maybe it's just her. Like I can't believe Judge is still giving me attitude, or mm-hmm. or they know what they're doing. I I don't know about that. I, I can I see them see having fun smirk. like that. Do you not remember the time when Meredith was in the dugout and the judge is like just coming back and like doing like the thing behind her and like yeah, he doing, doing the doing wave the peek behind around, her peek, peek peek around yeah. the the clubhouse uh, door. They've yeah, had they've had that. some fun with the uh, with the cameras and and like you know they kind of play off of each <clears> other sometimes. Okay, uh, I mean that's a different take on it. You think Greg Bird is in the uh, minor leagues for this long for for injuries, right? Is because it's because Judge stole stole his girl. Maybe Judge is Mr. Steal Your Girl, and now the the organization is like, you know what? We have one face of the franchise, and that's Aaron Judge. We got to keep Greg Bird away. Put him on a on an island fishing with a cat in the in the um, you know in, as far south in Florida as you could possibly go. Maybe we'll never well, see. Maybe we'll never see him again. If Greg Bird is not going to be the lefty swinging first baseman Mike Mike Ford is because he's been raking nine home runs since he got called up and he had a kind of a fun post-game press conference with Meredith this afternoon after the game she said what does it talk about this team you know what I think the question was what does it say about this team that you lost three in Oakland and then ended up above 500 on the road trip and he kind of jokes like well I guess we just don't like playing in Oakland (laughs) like that was his answer (laughs) maybe it's maybe it's that true maybe they're like this place is a dump I hate it yeah, well, let's just get out of here, and uh, you're not getting my best effort. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. We'll see possible. how they play against Oakland uh, when they're at Yankee Stadium. That will be more of a telling yep. fact that uh, if they handle that team. And it's um, it's a it's a good time. They're probably going to use the off day to get some rest. You need the off day to get some rest. I need some rest. The best way to get rest is with sleep. Number when was the last time you really slept great? Isn't it strange that we'll try just about anything to sleep better? When it actually could be time for a new mattress. If you aren't getting the quality sleep you deserve, I recommend my bed, Sleep Number Bed. Right now at Sleep Number Stores, it's the biggest sale of the year. All beds are on sale and queen mattresses start at only $899. And if you're going to shell out $900 for something, do it for a mattress, something you use every night, every day of the year. People are like, oh, I don't want to spend $900 on a mattress. Dude, when you average it out for like the years that you use it, it's very, very affordable per day instead of some other things you're spending a lot of money on. I'm not going to lie. When I went to one of these beds, like it was a game changer because the fact the fact that you can have different firmnesses on one side of the bed and the other side of the bed, especially if you're married and you have a significant other that's there, you both have your particulars, you both have your things. You got to make sure that you're both comfortable because that's where you're sleeping for the rest of your life if all works out. And if that's the case, you better make sure it's good and something that's going to last a long time. So if you're spending $8.99, go out there, make a good purchase, make sure it's going to last you. Um, and, you know, the sleeping over beds, they make sense for your movements and automatically adjust effortlessly. So make your make sure that you're comfortable all night, both of you. Uh, will you love it? Just ask oh, yes. J.D. Power. Sleep number has been ranked number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses. Uh, for the 2018 award information, visit jdpower.com. Come in now for the biggest sale of the year and for a limited time, save 50% on a Sleep Number 360 limited edition smart bed. You'll only find Sleep Number at one of their 575 Sleep Number stores nationwide. Find the nearest one by you at sleepnumber.com slash bronx.
And while you're in there, pick up a couple pillows. They're great pillows as well. They're great pillows. So let's talk about uh, two very important starts, Tanaka and Paxton starts. Tanaka struggled his last time out against Oakland. He came back, rebounded against, ate up a bad lineup in the Mariners. Seven innings, no runs, three hits, one walk on 106 pitches. It was a dominant performance. As expected, going up against Kikuchi. I mean, how many times do we have to see this narrative play out where it's a Japanese rival... It used to be you, Darvish. Now it's Kikuchi. Kikuchi. And Tanaka steps up. I mean, I love it. I love... So, you know, I was really trying to find a good gift for this, and I couldn't find a good one. But it's like uh, Kikuchi's, like, you know, disgrace at this point, falling on the sword, you know, at, at, the, at the end. What are you, what are you doing? You're, you're going up against the... Uh, an, he didn't have the pine tar. An, an icon. Yeah, no pine tar. Going up against the icon uh, in, in, a, in a time zone that's probably a little bit more easy for the, the Japanese people to watch. You know, they're all geared up for this. And you know what Tanaka dude? He's like, this is my, this is my island. It's mine. I own it. And he comes out my there island? and he comes out there and he, Oh, Japan. And he, yeah. I was like, what are you talking about? Come on, man. Stay with me here. And, uh, was a, uh, was, was, was dominant, was absolutely dominant going out there. Knowing he, you could tell he, when he would miss a pitch, miss a location on a pitch, he was getting mad at himself. Like he was visibly mad. Well, and I know we've seen that more this year a little bit, but, but I think he turned it up a notch knowing what he's doing here. He understands the what's a play here. Like he knows he's the leader in the clubhouse. He's the guy. And and he can't give up that title, especially to a guy named Kokuchi. <laughs> and um it's yeah, and I think what we're seeing is he's experimenting with his uh splitter grip, which we got news about a few weeks ago. And then there was another article posted uh in the athletic this week. And this this I thought was a, a very interesting tidbit from it. So Tanaka was reluctant to change the grip on his splitter midseason. But after picking up a baseball from earlier in this season, uh, earlier, excuse me, after picking up a baseball from an earlier season, so prior to this year, he realized he simply couldn't get enough traction on the seams of this season's baseball. That's how different the baseballs are this year versus previous years. That Tanaka has to change his grip on the most important pitch he throws because he's not getting the same movement, the same grip, the same action. Look, I'm, I'm really glad that we kind of figured this out and, and we all understand now. Figured it out in August instead of October. Figured it out that the baseballs are different. I mean, it's not like it hasn't been a narrative all season long. I mean, there was a rocket scientist that posted like a 900-page essay on it. I mean, who's got time to read that? Uh, give me the give me the uh, exactly the, the Cliff Notes version. The too long, yeah. Don't read version of it. But the um, TLDR baseball's different. The thing is, is you know, like I would have liked to see Tanaka hold the ball maybe before August uh, from from last year and then this year and see what the difference. Maybe are. not a lot of. Maybe not a lot of 2018 baseballs are lying around the clubhouse. I'm sure you could go to like Cooperstown. It's like collect. It's like collectors. Yeah, you could find, like you know put like a call out on Twitter for the fans to bring a ball. It, you know. Like some hey who caught a who caught a foul ball in 2018? Yeah, or, or who, at me. Who's the nerd who went out and bought one? You know, just to have the the 2018 ball because I'm sure those people exist. Go get that guy, the the home run catching guy who goes out there and knocks kids over to, to catch home ball and have him give you give you one of the balls that was hit by you know some schmuck that got sent down to Double A and you know figure it out. Bottom line, figure it out. So the fact that they're they're comparing these things now is a little strange. But I look, I don't well, care. I mean, this is not news. I, Do you remember Cone in the broadcast did this like in March? Not March. I, in in like is, June. This is what I'm saying. Like, why why are we just why are we just talking about this now? Like, why are we changing the grip now? All the all the things were there to to, to do this experiment. This is not like this is an experiment that could have happened a long time ago. Um, but I'm glad they figured it out. Good timing. You know, we need it right now. And the fact that he is getting well, he f- more, he's looked, the velocity's down a little bit. The, the fact that it's, it's, it's been, it's been 
declining. But I mean, year. with the new grip, like it's not it's not the same pitch. It's a little different. I think it's uh, close enough where he can uh, where he can do very well with it because it's getting the downward action. That's the most important thing. You get that downward action in your Tanaka. Yeah. You could take a mile or two off that that fastball, and it's really not as big of a deal as long as you can show it. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's. A, I'm glad. I'm 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 very happy. They they've 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 think they've gotten to the root of the issue. And let's just hope it continues. Let's just continue to monitor this. But uh, well, good time been, to get this hot. is not the this is not the first start he changed his. Split I understand that he's been doing this for a few starts and he struggled his last time out. And I think that's what we're going to see him going through ups and downs with this splitter grip. Let's hope he goes through all the downs in the rest of the season. Kind of like spring training. Figure it out. Kind of like Judge going through the motions, trying to get that trying to get that A release spot, trying to get that A grip, trying to get that A swing. But I think this is kind of like to a bigger point that. Baseball, I mean, baseball can look at this. They can look at a number of other different things from this year and say, oh, we done fucked up. Yeah, I mean, well, did they? Because offense is up. So maybe that's intentional. Uh, you know, like I probably think they did that on purpose. Are ratings up? Yeah, but you can't you can't predict the ratings. You, you can do what you think are going to boost ratings. And, you know, maybe they had a meeting and the when they concluded the meeting and all clapped and walked out of the huddle. They said offense. Offense is going to do that. So let's make the balls tighter. I uh, I know, and we've talked about this a thousand times, but I don't think this brand of baseball is is a better product than previous seasons. It's not. It's not better. There's just there's there's more so, there's more of a uh, a chance that a bad uh, or a mediocre player can show that he's better than he really is. I think, and so I think yeah, that's more a overall offense, more overall home runs. I get that. I get that on the sound of that. That sounds good on a large scale, on a bird's eye view. That sounds good. But when you watch it day to day, to me, it has not been a better product. The problem for me when you have a ball like this that flies out at the rate that it's doing is that when a pitcher makes a good pitch and a batter makes a, um, you know, not a, not a good swing but puts an okay swing on it, they're still going out of the park. Like they're being yeah, re- that's not they're being rewarded for bad swings still. And pitchers are not, pitchers are not uh, being rewarded for you know, especially fly ball pitchers. They're they're pretty much in a in a, in a shitty situation right now with with the way that they pitch because they have to change things drastically, like on a, on the fly. Yeah. And batters really it's all about missing batters bats. don't have to do any changing. They just they go up there and do the same thing they were doing. They they uh, see ball hit ball and then it's just going further. So yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a not a great time to be a pitcher. <laughs> no, um, and. It was a good night for uh, for Tanaka. Weird day for Paxton, who was starting against Justice Sheffield. Paxton only gave up one hit, but he walked five guys. He just completely lost the strike zone in one inning. It was the inning he gave up the home run, but he walked four guys in one inning through a wild pitch. I don't really know what happened. Um, it's a miracle that he got out with two runs in that inning. It, it, it is, thanks to also Sanchez throwing a runner out in that inning. Yeah. Um, but it could have been a lot worse for him. So, yeah, it looks okay. Five innings and only um, a couple runs allowed. But it was a very weird... This is not a type of um, breakdown that we have seen from Paxton. It's not like he's... We've seen the first inning problems. We've seen sort of the home run ball mislocation. We haven't just seen him lose the strike zone in the middle of a, an inning, middle of a game. Yeah, it, I mean, it's one of those that he, he did you know, end up uh, okay at the end of the day with the, with the amount of runs they came across and he would still kept his team in a position. And when you walk that many guys, you know, like put, put those walks as hits. And I don't think people are looking at it as funky. Uh, but the fact that he did walk and lose the strike zone, like he did, uh, 
you know, it's that that was concerning for that inning. But at the end of the day, it's a, it's a base runner. It, you know, if those are singles, I think people are looking at it differently. Um, he limited the damage, got through, uh, you know, a, a chunk of uh, of the game, and still gave him uh, an opportunity. The Yankees had an opportunity to win. So again, it kind of goes back to those one one of those starts where not your great stuff, but still got out there. But that's two in a row now that we've seen of him doing that. We need to go, or I'm sorry, not two in a row, well, two, no, of three, two of three. Yeah, two of three because he was so dominant against the Dodgers yeah. and had no command issues. Yeah, so it's 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 just a weird thing. It's like this, he lost is, his this, grip. Is, this is, and also think about the situation for Paxton. First time back to Seattle. First time facing his old team. I don't think I don't Maybe know how much that plays into it though because he was he looked really dominant for the first what three innings. Like he looked like he was about to just mow through. He had a no hitter going. Like it was it yeah, looked like he was dominant. So I don't know how much the pressure really fell into that. Honestly. Um, I think once you get through that first inning, because if you if you told me that that happened in the first inning, then I would say yeah, absolutely. He not only has he had first inning problems, but now he's back home. Like now we got a problem here. We we have a head case situation. Uh, I didn't see that. I think he you know lost something. Like there was something that happened where he lost the strike zone and just couldn't get it back. You know, I, I'm going to chalk it up to a fluke because yeah. we haven't seen it this year. We have not seen that happen this yeah. year. Yeah, I'm not concerned about it. Um, Although it does take me take a lot for me to get concerned about something. So. <laughs> Take that as you will. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a helpless feeling to to watch as your pitcher's doing that, where he's just walking guys. Like, hits, you can at least be like, okay, I'm mad. Like, go do something. Like, walks are just like, oh, my God, throw the ball over the plate already. Yeah, it's frustrating. Um, And another thing that's worrisome from this game is that Gio left with left groin tightness. Didi had to come in, who had not been in a game since Sunday, being hit by pitch by... um. Uh, Kershaw so I mean good news is Didi's fine he was able to play bad news is now we got to think about Gio and it's like Luke Voigt's coming back on Friday he's been mashing in AAA it seems like he's healthy okay is now Gio going to be the sacrificial lamb like are we going back to this narrative where one guy back one guy down I mean maybe Uh, didn't we see some of this from Gio earlier there was like some tenderness in the hip groin area like I remember him pulling up at second base one time and we all thought that he was like it looked like he was shot, um, but then someone said he just had to take a dump, <laughs> and then you know he he finished the game. I feel like there's been tightness in that groin uh, at at some point this season. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not remembering I correctly. But I, I, I mean, every player has that. Every yeah, I mean, at this point, when you exactly you're talking about, and and Gio Urshela has probably played more games at a uh, you know at a, at a high level than he ever has. So we're looking at that, um, and everybody's hurt because it's late in the season. It's baseball. These guys are going through a marathon at this point. Uh, but you know, he, I'm pretty sure he had something like this in the past, whether it's to this extent or not. So you hope the MRI comes back clean, number one, and, and that he can, um, you know, a little bit of rest will, will get him to a good place because I think the Yankees, especially with Voight coming back, do have that luxury of, of, uh, resting some guys if they need it. Well, yeah, what, what they can do now is probably, they're probably going to sit Urshela if, 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 if he's not, I don't expect anything to see him this him. weekend. No, so they're going to sit them and then rosters expand on Sunday. Yeah. So they can they can get some more infielders in there and then it's not a big deal because of the September call-ups. And Voigt's going to come back, but it will be interesting what do they do if Voigt's back and Urshela might not be able to play for 2 days, do they 10-day IL Urshela or do they just suck it up and play with an extra short bench uh or are they going to send down for Mike Friday Ford? and Saturday. For Friday and Saturday because um you could you could um you're going to send down Mike Ford and then Ford will be back for September call-ups. You know, it's kind of a weird, it's weird timing with the September call-ups right around the corner. This Urshela thing and Voight ready to come back. 
it seems like because the roster is expanded, it's an easy it's an easy ten day DL because you're not going to be you have reinforcements coming up anyway. You're only short. You're you're only in a pinch for two days in that scenario. Yeah. Well, and and either way, like you, you don't have Gio Urshela. Like that's a problem. You don't have that that particular player, but you do have other guys coming up. Body wise, yeah, are able to fill it in. Plus, like you're getting more people, so it's not. I don't think it's as worrisome because obviously Lemayhu can go over to third, and you lose nothing. Yeah. And with Voight yeah. coming back, we have a first baseman again. With yes. and Mike Ford. And Mike Ford, who Mike Ford's been hitting. I mean, he's, he's smoking he's, the ball. So I mean, it's at the point with Mike Ford and his offense. It's that, okay, if Voight comes back or if Encarnacion comes back and they're not 100% and not producing, you, you got to think about choosing Mike Ford over those guys as long as he keeps hitting. Look, at this point, I think what they're doing with this roster is they're trying to get as many guys healthy as possible. They're trying to, they're trying to get as many people ready to go and playing baseball as they can. And then they're going to see what they have. And some guys are going to be uh, are going to be shit out of luck, and and it's going to be a squeeze because of numbers. But other guys are going to see like, okay, this guy's back, but is he really at a point where we can rely on him to be healthy? Because we do have this other guy like Mike Ford who's been coming up and mashing, like, hit like twenty some twenty three home runs or something like that in the minor leagues. Now he's hit how many did you say nine? Nine in the pros. Nine in a hundred and six at bats. So you you, you, have a, you have a guy like that who's mashing at this point, and and you have guys who are coming back from injury. So like they're, you're trying to make the decision on what's better and what's not better. Um, and, and I think the best the best thing about that is that you have an embarrassment of riches with with talent, and you're just going to now have to see who's hot. Who's not? Who's healthy? Who's not? And figure that out. I love how the people always say Mike Ford. He looks like a hitter. I love that. Do they? Because he's a fat. He's a fat guy. He's not he a fat guy. Like he's not a fat guy. He doesn't look like an athlete, so he looks like a hitter. That's just classic. That's classic baseball uh, cliche. Talk. Mike Ford is not a fat guy. No, he's fat. No, he's not. He's not. Yes, he he's is. a freaking truck. He's fat. You're you're very wrong. I so, so I saw him in person when he was doing a rehab or when he was in Triple uh, A. I did too. And I saw Me him too. like literally. I was fat. sitting behind the plate watching him. His all of his body weight is below his. He's like hips, legs, just like his legs are tree trunks. And then he goes up. He's just he's built, bro. He's fucking huge. I don't know why I'm dropping f bombs, but the guy is not fat. Because you haven't slept. <laughs> no, Mike Ford has a gut. Okay, I'm not. He's not morbidly obese. He's not CC fat, but he's fat. This is bullshit. He's listed at six feet, two hundred twenty-five pounds. Yeah. I would say he's six now, feet. Now you're being two hundred. Now you're now you're. What you're doing is you're fat shaming people. Is what you're doing. I'm not fat. You don't shaming. like fat people. You don't like you don't like short people. You don't like people with with uh, with freckles. When does it end? When does it? I end? don't. I don't like that. You made that freckle thing. No, up. I didn't. I I don't him. like when baseball. Uh, like so you're agreeing. baseball reference or like um, programs. They don't accurately list size and weight because like i remember for a long time david ortiz was listed at 220 pounds which is laughable and ford is listed at 225 i'd say he's closer to 255 they don't change that stuff that's the thing like when they get a good when they get a good look on the back of the baseball card they're like that's it that's me that's it for good that's, that's for me life. that's that's what i'm that's what i am for the rest of my career nobody touched that i think it's part of their contract with like tops I would I would like to see what listeners think. Uh, tweet at us uh, at Andrew underscore Rotondi and at Scott Reinen. Is Mike Ford fat? Yes or no? Let us know. Yeah. Stanton is pretty close, quote, pretty close to seeing live pitching, but no date has been set. So 
That's fun. He was taking batting Several. practice though this weekend. All right. Uh, in, 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 no, in Seattle. Yeah, hitting, that's what I'm, this weekend. It feels like a weekend for me right now. He's it, he's hitting lasers in in Seattle at batting practice. So the guy is taking full swings. Not at ninety five percent gravity. Not hurt. No one see. No one talked about it. He was hitting home runs, but it was ninety five percent gravity. It's fine. <laughs> uh, Severino's going to start for Scranton on Sunday. This is huge news. This is his first rehab start. How many do you think they're going to give him? Is he going to Scranton now or Trenton? It's Scranton. Uh, they updated okay. it. Okay. Because he was going to he was going to Tampa. He was going. He was going. Well, he was in Tampa throwing sim games, and then he was going to go to Trenton, and then they updated it today to Scranton. Um, it's interesting because they. I, I just saw that they they canceled the GS the GCL league, the Gulf Coast league, because of the hurricane coming. They stopped the season. The season is then short. There will be no winner. That just happened. That's interesting. I don't know. So now nobody can rehab down there. So now you got to move up um, and, and do different things. But no, the fact that he'll be there in Scranton, like obviously they're comfortable with where he is. Again, this is another guy who's going to have to work through uh, rust. Well, I don't think double A or triple A really no, makes it doesn't a matter. difference. No, no, no. But I'm saying my he's question is, in the game. My question is how many do you think they're going to give him? Is it going to be one or two or three? Innings? No. Uh Start rehab oh, 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 assignments. Oh, um, rehab assignments. Yeah, I think uh, I'd say two. I, I depends on what happens after that too. How that, how he's stretched out and how he's feeling. But I think probably max three. I'd say two or three, yeah. which means we're going to see him either the week of September 9th or the week of like September fifteenth. Yeah, because I think they're going to want to get him a couple before the season. Oh, absolutely. In in the majors, yeah. so. I don't, I don't think it's going to be just one in the minors. I don't think so either. Unless they see enough where they're like, you know what? He's totally healthy, throwing but at the, full speed. But the problem with What's that the is, is but the, well, the problem with that is, is um, just reps, is just length. It depends on what you're, what you're looking for from him. Again, if they, but again, you know, so if, they're, if you're coming up to the minors, if you're fully healthy, like, I, look, bottom line, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter where he gets the rehabs. So if he gets the rehabs down there, great. If they think he's fully good and, and can go and be, you know, um, while he's rehabbing, be a, an opener and be that guy, why not? What's the difference? If you're trying to boost the confidence and he's pitching well and he feels good and everything is good, then th- I could see them saying no issue. I don't expect that because I think they're they're holding they're, they're handling him with kid gloves at this point and they know it's at risk. So you don't want any extra exertion for him coming up. I mean, the the timetable is so tight at this yeah. point. They have to be perfect. So that's why you can't you can't mess this right, up. Right, exactly. And and so I would feel more comfortable personally if they just let him do that in Scranton. Got his work worked out his things, build the confidence up, build the body up to a point where he's enduring um you know soreness the next day and feeling fine with that. And then two days later, and then three days later, and then feeling back to normal and where he wants to be up in the pros. Because I want him to go back to the pros, and I want him to get back into a routine that he's used to. I don't want him to go in there and like totally change up what he's used to. Then we have all of a sudden, you know, he's late to a game, and we're we're start we're starting the game at 105 or 705, and Luis Severino is running to the mound at 702. I don't want to see no, that. It was a it was a seven forty. Whatever start. it is, that's why he was confused. I just I don't want to see any of that confusion. I want to see him getting into his rhythm and like let's just figure this out in AAA. We're at a good place. We're with this team. Um, everybody knows this next man up, so that's fine. Some, the next guy will be up, and uh, Severino will, will will just continue to get himself right in AAA, and I'm, and I'm totally good with that. Yeah, Monty's going to get a start in Scranton this weekend as well, and Patances is still is still doing sim games. Um, and speaking of next man up, we got some guys coming up for the September call-ups. Boone said today Clint Frazier is likely to be a September call-up. I think that was obvious. Um, people are excited to see him again. Other guys to look out for, Chance Adams, Lewisica, obviously. 
uh, Valera, who's been up. A couple guys who are not on the 40-man who would have to have be put on the 40-man to be added, but Devi Garcia, who we know was talked about. But it kind of seems like with the trend of this team and the trend of Garcia, I don't know if that's going to be the case anymore. Uh, Michael King and J.P. Fireisen as well. Just uh, names to keep an eye out for. Michael King's been pitching really well, too. He's, he's, he's coming off injury. He was and the wasn't he the AAA pitcher of the year last year? Didn't he win some award like that? Yeah, and he came off that injury. You don't have Ben Heller on this list either. There's there's other guys. Ben Heller. There's so there, Heller Heller is also not on the forty man. He's yes he is. I'm gonna look this up while we're talking. But the um, Valera is a guy that to me is not going to be up at all. Like that's just Tyro Estrada is another guy that he's on the injured list that, that could I know, but where on the injured list is he? Like I don't see Valera coming up. There's why he's on the forty man, and now we might need an infielder this week. Yeah, that, I mean maybe this weekend, but when when uh, when September call ups happen and we have to start like moving people around, like that's not a guy that's sticking around. Just just, just not. There's uh, especially if uh, if uh, Urshela is is completely healthy. Chance Adams has had a. We know what Chance Adams is. He's not getting. I don't think he's going to get another real opportunity with the Yankees unless they're just trying to eat some innings and doing things like that. Um, but Loizaga Garcia, I still think that is a very good possibility. Um, and then Michael King is interesting. Fire Ryzen, we'll see with Fire Ryzen. But he's been pitching well, yeah, too. So, so Heller, the reason he's not technically on the, was on the injured list? He's on the 60-day IL. Okay. Which, which means when they reactivate him from the 60-day IL, they can either not put him on the 40-man, yeah. or they have to put him on the 40-man and take someone off. Right. But if they don't put him on the 40-man, then there's a lot more implications with that. So I, for all intents and purposes, I think he's on the he's on the 40-man. So he doesn't need to be on the 40... They don't need to take him off the 40-man when he's rehabbing in... in no nope. triple A either. Nope. That's what that's the beauty of the sixty day IL. That's why they put Stanton on it. Right. I, I thought there was a, a service time kicker somewhere in there too, but okay. Well that's good. Yeah. But but he's another guy I, I fully expect to be on the forty. So this is something you wanted to talk about. This was a stat that went out uh today. On so, funny some you, so funny how you set that up. Uh some starters since August first uh, and their ERAs. Tanaka's three point three one. Paxson, 3.57. Good, good. Herman, 3.86. Good. Marcus Stroman, 4.91. Not good. Trevor Bauer, 7.62. Not good. Very not good. So Not good at all. Not good at all. No. Um, I, I think this is an interesting, when you see this, and I honestly wasn't even going to look at what the, uh, you know, I, wasn't even, I didn't even request what the Yankees were doing, the guys that were on the Yankees roster, because they were going to be there anyway. That really, to me, had no bearing. But when you see the guys that everybody wanted to extend themselves for, wanted Brian Cashman to go out there and just trade the farm, just go and do everything, like throw the bank at these guys, um, and uh, and then there will be a magic ticket to go into the World Series. It's just it's just not as clear as day as that. And and this, I'm not saying I'm not looking at these numbers and saying told you so because I'm not doing that because I wanted these guys. I wanted them for the right reason for the right price i didn't want to totally overextend for them and i and i understood why he didn't go after them because of the overextension like to me i don't think trevor bauer was a real opportunity anyway because i think that cincinnati gave a much better deal than the yankees were even close to being offered but i do think stroman was a possibility and i think that they asked for too much and then brian cashman turned his nose up on on a guy that was has been inconsistent and that that was the reason why i he didn't excite me like okay i'll take him if we can get him for something that's manageable but He's been so inconsistent in his career that I just don't trust that guy. And proof is in the pudding right now. We're looking at these guys struggling. So it's very easy to go and say, Cashman did the right thing. I'm not going to go as far as that because I still think he should have made a move and solidified it. Um, but I don't, I don't fault him for not 
doing whatever he had to do to get one of these guys because I don't I didn't think they were those guys to just lose the farm over. Yeah, I don't think anyone was saying I think a that. lot of people were saying that. Well, no, no, no one's saying automatic World Series had they traded for any of those guys, but I think a lot of people were saying what you and I were both saying, which is you got to do everything in your power to maximize your World Series odds. And I don't think you can assume that if they acquired Stroman or acquired Bauer that they would have the exact same stats. In fact, I can tell you they wouldn't have the exact same stats because they wouldn't have faced those exact same teams. So it's all... Like, this is very convenient. It's a very convenient, you know, early checkbox win for Brian Cashman. But I still would like to have Stroman and Bauer on this roster right now going into the playoffs. And I think you would, too. And I think most Yankee fans would as well. And to further drive home the point. That's not very good, but keep going. We had said from the beginning, if they went out and added Marcus Stroman, that's not guaranteeing a World Series they're still going to have to get Tanaka and Paxson to improve. Yeah, no, that's why I said at the beginning, like when, I, when you're throwing out the Yankees numbers, like to me, that wasn't, um, it had really not much to do with what I was talking about because it, it's it's beyond those three guys that were the problem. And like, yeah, you you get you add a, a Stroman or a Bauer, then you have a better opportunity of getting a guy that can go with quality starts, but you're not guaranteeing it. Um, it's not a top-level guy like a, like if you're getting a... Um, uh, uh, a bum gardener at, at, at his peak. Like you're not getting that guy. That's not happening. So no. Trevor Bauer, like literally could be just like pissed off that he's in Cincinnati and I pitching th- bad. I, I honestly think, I honestly think that's the case. Like, or just like, just like really, what, really fuck, really hate Sonny Gray. And like, it's an, he's annoying. And he's just like, <laughs> how you know did what? I end up in Cincinnati? Yeah. What is going on? I was on a playoff team. And now but I'm also part Florida of the reason why I didn't trust that too, because he's a mental case. Um, for 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 these exact reasons, Marcus Stroman, I think he's just an inconsistent pitcher and and peaks. I don't think he's I don't think he's as good as a lot of people think he is. Uh, I think he hits a, some hot streaks and is is uh, you know exciting to watch because he's he's like throws throws a lot of emotion out there and like that's cool and fun. But the rest of it, like just he has not been a consistent pitcher in a long time. So the fact that these other guys are are still are pitching better. That that is something that you're looking at, and you're you're saying, well, that's the most important thing. It's the most important. But it's thing also something that you you, you have to look at, and you have to say, okay, we believed in these guys. We expect them to be better. They they were probably we were giving these guys away if they acquired. Someone. That's not what I mean. I'm talking about the, the the front office saying, well, this is where we are. We have to either acquire somebody or we don't. And what we have seen from these from these guys, not not Herman. Herman's been phenomenal, but Paxton and Tanaka. Uh, these guys have not lived up to what we think they can be. And we still think they are those guys. And because they had convictions about that and who they were, they stuck to those convictions and, and knew that they would be back because game, the game of baseball is a long game and you got to stick with it. And if you don't, uh, then you got bigger problems. So it's like bailing on a stock when it's down, you know, and then two days later it goes flying through the roof. You got to be patient. Uh, That was another Seinfeld episode. Um, yeah, and I think even if they have these these guys, Tanaka, Pax, and Herman, and then whatever Severino can give them, unfortunately, that might still not be enough to get them to a World Series. Uh, we'll see. Uh, the Yankees, there was another interesting set I wanted to mention. The Yankees are now um, 13, I believe it's 13, 13 straight games. They've won 13 straight games when they're facing a left-handed starting pitcher. That's great. I mean, that, I think that, that, that I mean, proves the, the way that look, our lineup looks. Look at, look at the lineup. A lot of right-handed hitters. That makes sense. And I think that's great if you're going up against uh, the Dodgers, who have Ryu and Kershaw. 
and uh, you know, great, and they beat them over the weekend. But the Astros are a right-handed uh, pitching team. rotation. Yeah. The um, Indians are a right-handed pitching team. The Rays, if you face them in a series, they do have Snell, who's hopefully coming back, but Morton, uh, Glass now, Chirinos, like all these guys are right-handed pitchers. So, um, you know, that's a great stat. They've beat up on lefties. A lot of the American League is right-handed heavy. And we saw the Oakland A's not even throw out great starting pitchers last week. And the uh, Roark. Uh, fires and they're right-handed and they shut the Yankees down. Well, they didn't like playing in Oakland, so you can't count that. Right. The drums, the the noise, the Vuvuzuelas. No, it had nothing to do with that. It was just a dump. They're like, the, the amenities are terrible, so we're not going to do what we need to do. Where, yeah. Where's the post-game buffet? Where's, yeah. Where the, where's the, where's the fog? Where's the fog machine? Where, where are my lights? What are we doing here? Why are there rats in my clubhouse or in my locker? I don't like this. Yeah. Uh, are the Yankees though? You know, we were talking about maximizing World Series odds. Fangraphs World Series odds as we sit here today: twenty nine percent Astros. That's the leading candidate. The Dodgers at nineteen percent, and the Yankees at thirteen percent. Are the Yankees not getting enough credit? Are they not getting the credit they deserve? <laughs> no, it just can we can we re, can we review? This is like a great time. We don't have it right now, but maybe on the next show we can do this. We can look back at all those all those numbers that we had or in our show notes from uh, the beginning of the season and look to see where all the nerds put the percentages at and like see all those things. You know, all the numbers that mean absolutely nothing, pretty pretty close to what these numbers mean. They, I don't really best chance to win the World Series. Astros 29%, Yankees 13%. Why? Why? Why does that why why does that number matter at all? Seriously, what does that number tell you? Oh, okay. Are you asking why does the number matter? It at means all, or nothing. Why? Why did they come up with this? Like, how did they arrive at these statistics? I don't even care. It means nothing. It's so. I agree. It's it means so nothing. stupid. People freak about it, though. Who gives People a shit? Freak because they they think the Yankees are being disrespectful. Whatever. These numbers, you're you're pulling them from somewhere that I don't care about. And fan and, and no, wherever Fangraphs is pulling these numbers to get to a point where they have. Uh, a 29% for the Astros and 13% is that is that based on talent is that based on like what they've done in the last like however many games what is it what is that a lot of different things it's it's based on what you've done and then what projections are for the rest are they projecting what the potential what the potential road to the World Series could be yeah and they're not going to have two American League teams as the top ones because that just doesn't make sense logically yeah but why is there such a discretion why is there such a discrepancy between the Astros and the Yankees when they're uh, I just told you but they're tied for home field advantage like that's that doesn't really say much it it's it's a, it's a stupid number. It's it's double the percentage, and you're telling me that they. How do they know who's coming back? How do they know what the injuries are going to be like? How do they know what these pitchers? What if Tanaka goes on even more run? What if Aaron Judge doesn't miss a ball for the rest of the season? Like there's there's just too many things that they're just making up because that's what it is. We're making up numbers now. It's freaking annoying. I like this percentages. <laughs> you are sound stupid. You sound uh you sound like John and Susan, and that brings us to our final topic. I have a confession to make with John and Susan, and it hit me because I've been listening to a lot of John and Susan on this road trip because of the late night games. They're they're getting a little unbearable. The broadcasts have turned into them complaining, and that's it's it's fun when John Sterling doesn't know if it's a home run or not. Like I can live with that. Like that's sort of like the the fun. That just sort of comes with the territory of, of an eighty one year old announcer. Or Susan freaking out about certain things uh, and being her her lovely uh, freak out self. Yeah. 
But when they sit there for five straight innings and complain about, I hear the drum, John. I hear the drum just like you hear the drum. I'm listening to the game. You do not need to remind me about the drum in between every pitch. The irony of you calling out someone who's unbearable for complaining is thick. Thick. My complaints are rooted in realness. Oh, that drum is real. It's in their face. It's real. They have been complaining about things like this for as long as I can remember. No, it's not been this bad. You, and I, and I, I think one, you're listening to them more. I think they're tired. I, I think they're tired of the grind of 162 games. That's why we saw Sterling take off a, a week. I think he's just over it in the first place. Yeah, but they're they have been complaining about this for a long time. The fact that you're complaining about people complaining is is ridiculous. Is is unbelievable. It's it's the it's one of the more one thing. it's one of the more unbelievable things I've ever heard in my life. You're literally complaining, complaining about people about being drum. negative. That's what's happening right now. Oh, that's not negative. That is negative. When you complain, is it positive? Are we are we being positive when we're complaining about things? No, we're being negative. We're being no. You're not. No, a complaint isn't necessarily negative. When they're complaining, oh, I love the drum. About when they're complaining about the drum, that's not necessarily being negative. Like no one likes the drum. No Yankee fan likes the drum. I, I don't mind the drum. I don't hear the drum. Drum doesn't bother me. Susan also, uh, the other day when Judge hit his home run to center field and it went off the back of the um, batter's box, the batter's wall, uh, StatCast measured it like 440 feet or something like that. And she went on this long tirade about how she doesn't understand how StatCast came up with that number. And she, what she arrived at after a long um, thing about it hit the wall, how could it have gone 460 feet if it hit a wall? That wall is not 60 feet behind the 401 foot marker. I don't understand StatCast. That's why StatCast is stupid. Those, that's an exact quote from her. That is why StatCast is stupid. Because, well, I mean, there's a math equation there with with, uh, with trajectory and, and angle. She doesn't she doesn't like trajectory. Yeah. She doesn't I mean, believe I, in trajectory. I, I think some of it's an imperfect science, and that's why they're moving to the Hawkeye technology. And I think we'll have a much more perfect science next year, which well, I'm sure we'll find areas to complain about. But, you know, whatever. That, that doesn't bother me. I mean, I think technology and people and slowness and... You know, whatever else they, they openly, can complain about, they do. They openly spit in the face of analytics. They they laugh of at they shifts. Do. That's fine. They laugh. They've, at they've analytics. laughed at shifts since since the beginning. Since because it was new. They're baseball purists. They all laugh at that stuff. Yeah, that annoys me. Well, I mean, that's not new. That's not new. They've been doing that for years. Not- Okay, maybe they've been doing it for years, and you're right. Maybe it's just because I listened to them for like two straight weeks. I think you've been listening to them more because you've been in the car more. You've been going back and forth to Rhode Island. I've been in the car more, but yeah, and then the the the, the late games and the late games. I I was I've always been. A You're falling fan. asleep to John and Susan, so they're in your dreams. I've always <laughs> been a fan of John and Susan. Like people bash them, people get on Sterling for his his uh, gimmicky home run calls, and I'm like, this is sports entertainment. Like, chill out. It doesn't have to be buttoned up every single broadcast. So I I get that, but they're lose they're they're losing a little bit this year. And I hate to say it. Yeah, well, I think that baseball has, has kind of gone past them a little bit as well because the amount of numbers and analytics that are in the game today, it's, it's a different game. It's a different way you can talk, You have to talk about it. Like if you think that any of the- I don't want them talking about analytics. Frankly, I don't want them talking about analytics. But it's part of the game. I don't want them to spit in the face of but it. But it's part of the game. And, and I think that you have to have a complete understanding of them to truly appreciate them. And, I, and to be honest, I, I don't think they've taken that, that level of... of um, of commitment to like go in and, and really like 
embrace no, those that's numbers. Fine. I don't. I don't expect them to know all of the different metrics on Fangraphs page. I just don't expect them to completely disregard it and call it stupid just because they don't understand. When it. you don't know something and you don't understand it, like the the fault thing is to do is think it's dumb. Especially for I an older that. guy, older person. I get yeah, that. So that's what that's but what's happening. It's just not on. It's just it's complaint. just not unexpected. Okay. Any uh, Yankees coming home? Thank, thankfully, coming home after a long road trip for six games, and then another ten game road trip against Boston, Detroit, and Toronto. Any final words, Scott? We got a big weekend. I'm going to be at the game on Friday night. Uh, if you guys are going to the game on Friday, hit me up. Uh, we can meet up for a beer, and like uh, every, um, just like a lot of people will be at the game on Saturday for the BP Crew event. A lot of people there. Yeah, I'm going to be there on Saturday and Sunday. I got my family coming uh, on Sunday. That'll be fun. Haven't uh, haven't done that in a couple of years, so that'll be cool. Um, but yeah, is Kemp is Kemp Kemp's going? going on Sunday? Yeah, man, it's going to be his first. So first trip to Yankee Stadium. First trip to Yankee Stadium. First baseball. Outside, first real baseball game outside of Bevan's belly because the first baseball game, which we both oh right was she was pregnant. So yeah, you know, te- technically, and then he went to an aquarium. Then he went to an aquarium went to, where a baseball then game. Then he went happened. to an aquarium, and and now he's going to a real. Uh, in action, basically. Now he's going to a real place with real players and, yeah. you know, has, has like a real field with no roof and no DJ and no purple ceiling and no fish and no dolphins or stingrays, whatever the hell they had in the back. Nice. Cool. That's going to be fun. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, uh, submit mailbag questions for the next episode. Call up the voicemail line, 646-480-0342. Make them good. Bring it. Tell us, tell us about uh, Judge getting hot. Tell us about the... Yankees finishing above 500 after a rough couple games on the road trip. Tell us about this weekend against Oakland. What do you want to see against a potential playoff team? I'm curious what people think their rotation is going to look like as we get to the playoffs. Like that's that's a very big topic of discussion. What is that playoff like? If you're looking at what's happening today and you think that let's just assume Severino comes back and he's a four or five inning guy, what is that? What does that pro, uh, playoff rotation look that's a, like? That's even pushing it four or five innings. I think. It's well, let's just let's just for conversation's sake. If he if he is that type of guy, uh, say four innings. What what is your what does your playoff rotation look like? Give me like the first three in the order because I think that matters too. I know JJ uh, when he was on here with me, he was talking about not having Herman in the first game, but in the second game because he trusts him more and wants him to be there in case things go bad. So I thought that was interesting. I um, I would prefer a veteran guy in that second game personally. Uh, but what do you think? Give us 646-480-0342. Give us uh, all that stuff that Andrew said and uh, playoff rotation. I think that's a, a, a super a good topic for conversation. Awesome. We will talk to you on Monday. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show... We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.